Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. Harley Fox, welcome to the Careers and Mental Health Conversations podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Now, we often talk a lot about uh, mental health and mental illness on, on this podcast, which is highly relevant to what we do and, and our audience listening. I, I wanted to put a bit of a different spin on it today and, and talk about the positive mental health required for training sports people, uh, training athletes or participants who want to go in sporting events. And, and that's really why uh, I reached out to you because You've got a strong background of uh, both working and competing in the fitness industry. So yep. looking forward to uh, talking about your experience today. All right. Sounds good. All right. So some of the things that you've done, uh, Harley, I, I mean, I could in, couldn't even do in my dreams. So you regularly uh, get involved in Spartan races. They're, you know, pretty much um, pretty fitness-based obstacle courses. Yep. Uh, you've done a couple of Ultra Beast 42-kilometre obstacle courses, yeah. uh, you know, 42Ks. T- t- tell us a little bit about that race. Um, I've done two of those and one 54K, which was the sort of penultimate one. But, yeah, that was, that was savage. They're all average about nine hours total. Continuous? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, basically, it's, yeah, just pushing, pushing your body and, until it can't go any further and then pushing it some more <laughs> <laughs> and we'll come back and touch on on the motivation required and the training required to to get involved in something like that uh now you've um you've done something called the burpee mile what's what's that the burpee mile that sounds yeah. like torture to me yeah well i've always kind of had an interest in in doing things that are, are ridiculously hard or challenging and I saw, I saw somebody in America did the burpee mile. That's why we did the mile instead of a, a kilometer. And yeah, I thought it, it looked really rough and, you know, nobody likes burpees and working with my clients, they complain if they have to do 10 burpees. So I thought the burpee mile would be roughly a thousand burpees and it'd be super challenging. So I uh, threw up a money box and um, said that uh, all donations would go to the cancer council and, uh, and then, yeah, we... I rounded up a couple of mates and we, we, we had at it. So not only you did it, you got a few people to, to join you, to come along with you? Yeah, I got uh, three other guys to, uh, to join in. Oh, man. And how did it go? <laughs> did you all finish? Uh, yeah, we did. Uh, one guy sort of struggled a bit and had to, um, to drop his burpee down to a, a modified burpee. But <laughs> yeah, three of, us, three of us finished within an hour and a half. Hour and a half for a, a mile. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sounds nasty. <laughs> um, and you've also been involved in, in some professional uh, Muay Thai fights. So I yeah. guess, um, does that sort of link back to your experience? Because, you know, from the research I've done and, and talking to you previously, you've tend to have been involved in that personal training or club training atmosphere. And, and often that could be involved with um, some boxing or kickboxing. Uh, yeah. Is that sort of how you got training and, and, yeah, what, how did you end up in as a Muay Thai fighter? Actually, it's a bit of a different story to get into Muay Thai. Muay Thai was what started it all. Yep. So I became a, I started Muay Thai training and then my coach actually paid for my personal training certifications. So that's how I began. But I got into Muay Thai because I've always kind of had, 
I didn't I didn't grow up in the best sort of uh, environment. I've, I grew up in bouncing around from foster home to foster home and didn't have the, the easiest upbringing. And um, I had a few a few fears when I was growing up and confrontation was one of them. So when I was in my early 20s, I really wanted to overcome that fear of, of confrontation and, and altercation. And so I um, decided to, to learn how to fight because I know that martial arts is one of the best ways to not only overcome fear but to learn you know to be at peace with yourself and and uh, be more confident so that's how I got uh, started on the Muay Thai wagon and then yeah everything in my life has sort of escalated from that so through that training and and you get a bit more confidence learn how to protect yourself yeah uh, obviously get fit was that the start of something for you in terms of um, progressing your career in, in that fitness and training industry? Yeah, yeah. So my coach paid for my personal training cert and then I helped out at, around the gym doing the, uh, helping out with classes here and there and um, it was a Muay Thai gym so I went uh, worked did corners for fighters and warming up fighters and stuff like that and then I started working at the gym as a personal trainer but being a, a Muay Thai gym it's very uh intimidating for normal people so um so i moved into just a regular sort of 24-hour gym and um and that's how i started my my regular sort of personal training journey from there um and then one of the other personal trainers um asked me if i wanted to go to a an obstacle course with him and a few clients it was called um the kokoda grunt it was like one of the very first obstacle sounds nasty already courses <laughs> yeah it's the guys that run the kokoda trail training down in um in brisbane um they saw the um sort of success of spartan race and tough mutter and had a go at it themselves so they just used their kokoda grunt trails to to do a 21k obstacle course all right but yeah it wasn't very exciting there was just a lot of walls to climb and um and and mud and stuff to swim through but there wasn't wasn't anything too difficult but <laughs> just doing the 21 k's it took about four four and a half hours just being out in the sun for that long was was hard enough and it was my first one so it was really challenging yeah. well i think you'll find for most people yeah the 21 k's is hard enough but you know <laughs> mud and sun and obstacles and stuff yeah, yeah, yeah. different level but i guess you're probably pretty used to those now so yeah that's a that's a, a warm-up one now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a couple of fights in in muay thai um why, why did you finish up fighting there or did you still have a desire to to maybe get back involved or i love muay thai yeah it's it's always been my sort of number one passion i um i put my hand up to fight um last year in february actually but um there was no um no fight shows coming up that had matches so i didn't, didn't end up fighting but um yeah it's always something that i've sort of dabbled in and i teach a lot of people like I run the UQ uh, kickboxing classes currently, just teaching beginners um, some moves. So that's um, yeah, it's something I'm still very very passionate about. Um, but yeah, it, it's just too time consuming to be. It's a, it's an all or nothing sort of sport. It takes all of your sort of focus and dedication to 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 be in the ring. And if you're not dedicated you're probably fighting someone that is and it's not a it's not a game of checkers that's for sure no i imagine i mean <laughs> I've, I've watched some of your videos there's uh some pretty unreal moves going on and i, I sort of follow a bit of ufc and i know they're not 
on par for what exactly the same like for like but yeah the dedication and training required and you could be knocked out in the first few seconds yeah exactly it's uh it's pretty how how would you describe the reward of because i know you won a couple of fights um sort of taking that win after all the work you've put in oh there's there's nothing like it i think that's the that's the drug that's that's what you want to keep going for that keeps you hooked that moment of of glory and and uh having your hand raised and the crowd calling your name and then and then for the rest of the show having people come up and high five you and shake your hand going to the next show and people knowing your name and remembering your fight like yeah that it's it's exhilarating it's 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 um it's hard to beat that feeling it's um it's very addictive and i guess on the on the flip side to that i'm not sure did you lose any of your three fights yeah i did i lost one yeah and during that time was that did that sort of you know spurn you on did you want to train harder and get back or or how did you feel mentally after that loss did it, were you disappointed that all that work had sort of come to to no victory at the end of the day yeah a hundred percent it's um like on the flip side of that 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 exhilaration and joy it's it's super um uh I'd say depressing but it, it's yeah it's it's very hard mentally and emotionally to go through all of that training and and you know you have to remind yourself that you've got a 50 50 chance really one of you's going to win one of you going to lose there's only two of you there so at the end of the day you just have to kind of remind yourself that that's the game um but yeah it is it is very very difficult and yeah i was i was down but i went back because i didn't want to walk away having done all the training and done all the preparation and i didn't want to have the fight and then say oh well you know oh well you know i tried i lost like yeah. I, I wanted to, to try again and to, to see what victory felt like because i didn't want to feel like that again and yeah and I only had two more, but I never lost again. So, so, so finish <laughs> on a high, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah go out the right way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I guess a lot of you know professional fighters, it's it's not just a passion; it's a career. But yeah, um, uh, Muay Thai is it's it's very hard to make a career out of it. Yeah, um, like the most successful uh, fighter in Australia is John Wayne Parr, and you can ask <laughs> you can ask him; he'll tell you how much of a how much of a struggle it is to to make a living out of it. You kind of got to have like all the professional fighters I know have either they run a gym yeah. or they're PTs or they work as a roof tiler during the day or a carpenter. Like everyone, you can't just fight in Australia for Muay Thai. It's, it's not a career option at all. Not enough commercial vested interest or, no, or sponsorship, a, I imagine. No, or, not yeah. at all. You can get sponsors like supplement companies or t-shirt t-shirt companies, but you'll never you'll never make a living off it. Yeah. When you're training for a fight and you know who you're going to go up against, so you're studying, um, you know them and how their technique and and their previous competitor uh, fights and victories, etc. Yeah. Is it is it a mental drain to to keep yourself up and alert and ready? Because I imagine it's probably like, a, and I've never fought in my life, so tell me if I'm wrong. I imagine it's a bit like a seesaw. Some days you're up and you feel invincible. Other days you're a bit flat because. I don't know diet or the mood or the weather or whatever, but is is it hard to keep focused for so long in the lead up mentally to a fight? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's funny you say yeah in the lead up because um, I've definitely felt it myself, and I have seen it in a lot of other people. I train fighters. I used to have a boxing 
um, company that I train fighters for amateur amateur fight shows. And yeah, it happened with my fighters as well. But um, there's a thing called self-sabotage where you, you get it in all of life when you start to feel success where you, you're doing something and you start to sabotage yourself in relationships and all those sort of things. You make, you make stupid decisions to, because you don't feel like you're good enough. But it's the same thing in fighting. You do all the hard work. You feel good. You feel ready. You get a week out or two weeks out before the fight. You start, you, you start training to a less intensity. You start eating shit. You, you just you don't feel like, oh, you know, I'm not going to win. What does it matter anyway? Like, right. Start sabotaging yourself mentally and, and physically. And it's, uh, it's really hard to break through that, actually. Um, especially in the week leading up when all the anxiety and you've got to be dieting. Um, because because the weight cut's pretty pretty savage yeah um yeah the week up is yeah, full of self-doubt and and reflection <laughs> how do you get through that is it about keeping good coaches or good personal people around you is it i mean do you use anything like meditation like what how do you get through that anxiety and that sort of fear of what's coming up and and sort of keep yourself positive um it's pretty hard like I would say I used to just go to the gym more, um, spend spend more hours hitting the bag, just try and take my focus off of that and put it more into cardio, um, things like that. Yeah, trying to trying to hang out with your friends and and be take your mind off it. Yeah, I would say is probably a good a good way. Just going out and just having a laugh and and not thinking about it. Um, watching tape does does help watching your opponent because um, you, you can kind of like oh yeah I can you know I can I can do this and do that and I can sort of beat him here and um, but on the other hand if they're good <laughs> you could <laughs> it could start to scare yourself um, definitely felt like that in my last fight I was like oh this guy's ridiculously fast he's way faster than me he's gonna he's gonna smash me but did, did you feel like you could have talked yourself out of a victory if that's the case did you feel like not sort of almost a bit of self-sabotage we think oh what's the point you know I'm, yeah he's too quick yeah 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 for sure um i kind of I, I was sort of there was two sides of my head one was telling me like there's no way you can beat this guy he's way faster than you he's younger than you he's gonna he's gonna um run around the ring um and then the other side of my head was saying you know you've got the skills you've got the experience just you know forget it just just get in there and have a good time and um and yeah i just i guess like the training goes for so long and and i've done it before so it, it just sort of just becomes like a, a wheel in motion and no matter what these feelings are that are in your head if you just keep that wheel turning and you just keep rocking up the training and keep doing what you have to do without thinking about it too much then it, it just you just it just sort of happens it's yeah. so stick to a plan don't don't get off the rails no matter how sort of much anxiety or stress or yeah down the dumps you feel like stick to the program yeah exactly and there will be things that happen like um you know having a couple of drinks to calm your nerves a couple of days before or and you got to not think like oh this is this this has just ruined everything now i'm definitely gonna lose this like you know it's part of life it's what i need you know have some ice cream whatever keep things in perspective yeah yeah don't let it don't let it ruin everything just you know just understand that you're going through a bit of a, a rough day 
and and accept it for what it is and and take the next day as it comes yeah i've always wondered what a fighter feels like just before they're about to go out so you're in the back room you're training sort of sparring with a coach or people coming up to say hey you know look forward to seeing you fight um what what what's that feeling in your gut like you're about to go out everything you've you've worked hard for is about to happen right in this ring and uh the crowd want this and the commentators and this so because i mean I've, I've sort of gone out on the footy field before and had a real sort of you know in, in my gut off i just feel awful but as soon as I get out there, I'm fine, right? But what about when you're a fighter and it's just man on man? Yeah. Is it, is it, are you tense? Are you sort of – do you have that burn that like it's, – um, it's, it's really surreal uh, to give it a word. It, it doesn't feel real. When you're in the warming up and all the other fighters are warming up around you and like your blue corner or whatever, and then you get in, in Muay Thai, you get a full body rub down with, uh, with liniment oil. So you get in your rub down and – the smells and the sounds and I don't know, it kind of feels like a dream and then you walk out, you've got your music playing in the crowd, um, sort of the, the walk out to the ring and getting in the ring, you get, I got tunnel vision, like you don't even know the crowd is there, you can't hear anything, you see the ring and you see your opponent and you sort of, nothing else is there. Like, um, it's focus, right? Like dead yeah. hand focus, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the adrenaline, the adrenaline, adrenaline narrows your your vision to to what's directly in front of you, and that's that's what's about to happen. And everything else sort of fades away. But um, yeah, in hindsight, you look back and think, you know, I was just like so. It just felt surreal. It just feels like a dream. Really. What do they call it in in the zone? In the you, zone, you, yeah, you're, yeah. You're zoned in, or yeah, 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 yeah. Great. So. Since um, since fight, uh, finishing up fighting and uh, you're actually studying uh, clinical exercise physiology, yeah. uh, which you've been uh, studying for the last uh, four or five years, and, and you're uh, nearly close to graduating, which which is great. Um, what what's the goal with what you're studying there and your current work and what you do? Because you uh, you take boot camps. You said you're down at UQ teaching kickboxing. Yeah. Um, you're training people to do obstacle course races spartan races etc so what, what's the goal for you um with with this uh degree well currently i yeah like you said i do obstacle course preparation and muay thai training um i train people in things that that i do that, so i've got experience my sort of philosophy as a trainer is that you know um be able to demonstrate what you want to teach not just know the theory behind it so yeah, I get in, I get down in the trenches with with all of my um my boot camps and stuff. Um, but yeah, that's just sort of that was my career path before I started clinical exercise. So doing clinical exercise, I want to work with the military um, in a in an exercise rehabilitation sort of setting. So I want to work with my my degree will give me a um a bit of a standing on on mental health as well as physical health yeah of um of all populations so working with um aged care um basically working from healthy populations to clinical populations and everything in that spectrum is is very broad so where i wanted to take me is is to the department of defense working with current and ex-serving members in uh, rehabilitation of mental and physical health so 
Yeah, and and they, they sort of go hand in hand in the defence force because you need to be physically able to do your job, but yeah. mentally strong to also go and represent your country. So, yeah, and obviously we all know that there's high levels of uh, mental illness from people who have been to war or have returned and assimilated back into the population. So, um, yeah, I, I I can't imagine in that role you you could just look after one and not the other. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. In uh, working with defence members, they you know they put their bodies on the line and as as they're doing that they're definitely putting their mental health on the line as well so it takes a lot of resiliency to to get through that and you know can't blame them for for coming back with with uh, issues that need to be resolved so and in your studies obviously it's exercise physiology but do they actually teach you or do you learn a lot about the mental side of that uh we do um we do a lot of courses in dealing with all all types of of illnesses and mental health is one of the components that we do cover Uh, but most of our experience like we learn the theoretical basis of everything um, that we need to and then more of the experience comes from our clinical placements so i've worked currently i'm currently doing a research project and working in a mental health um, rehabilitation facility down on the south side so I work with um, with patients with severe mental illness uh, and exercise programming, and um, and I write research about that. and And then I've worked in other settings um, with other clinical populations. And next semester, for the second part of the year, I'll be working full time in um, in both mental health settings and and clinical settings. So, so yeah, there's, there's a bit of both. There's a, they give us the theoretical foundations, and we have to spend at least seven seven hundred hours of um, of placement. Yeah, in those settings. Yeah. Do you feel like the link is pretty strong, and the awareness is pretty strong now that in athletes, no matter what sport or activity you're trying to compete in or train for, um, you know, mental health should be a, a priority as long as well as physical health. And um, the example I use is that the AFL came out just last week and said that their number one um, issue in the game is is mental health of their players oh, yeah. so i can't imagine five six ten years ago that that would have ever been discussed the way it's no. been discussed now but i think it's it's because there's a real strong link there now that physical athletes and um need to have good physical health but strong mental health as well because yeah. if you have sort of one missing you you're probably not going to be able to compete to your optimum level yeah yeah definitely there's a huge huge side of of any sort of physical training that's that's mental like you can't push yourself into those depths without the mental um mental strength and i guess that's part of being a being an athlete or being an elite athlete especially is is having a a really strong um uh, really strong mental power to push through things um yeah they're a different breed for sure but yeah it's definitely um it's definitely goes hand in hand um without the mental um without the mental health to to want to get off the couch you know you're going to be happy to sit there and 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 eat junk and yeah and, and get fat like it, it's it's easy to do nothing it it's is. easy to to make excuses and and not work out or not be physically active but um it's it's important that we we find ways to deal with that mental barrier so that we can we can push ourselves to be more physically active as 
as we're becoming more and more aware the the mortality rates that come with not being physically active are, yeah. are quite dramatic so and there's a couple of different sort of viewpoints i mean there's there's often there's, you know, there's, there's the people that just could do it but they're lazy uh there's the people who probably have really busy lives in different aspects and then are time poor or don't prioritize things um efficiently uh, and then there's the people, and I've had this um, previously, if I've felt really anxious for some reason or been uh, in a, a down point in my life that you just cannot vision yourself getting to the gym or you cannot see yourself you know, doing a 5K around the park. Uh, physical health, when you're really down in the dumps, feels like the last thing you want to do. Yeah. And, and I imagine that if you've got a severe mental illness that the thought of actually going and socialising in a gym or getting out there and going for a run or playing in a team, probably the last thing on your mind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, it's, it's really tough for guys with uh, severe mental illness to, to get out there. Yeah. And yeah like you said, like um, with, with conditions like schizophrenia, um, they, don't, they don't want to be around people. They, they don't want to be in in social settings at all so to get them to to get out of that to, um to get out of get out and about and, and into a gym is really not not feasible so yeah there's always there's always a, a thing of trying to find ways to to make that happen is yeah yeah part of part of my job so let's talk about getting people motivated because, you know, you, you run uh, corporate boot camps for, for little businesses around Brisbane and, uh, you know, I, I assume that a lot of the time in the boot camps there'll be people at different levels, right, of fitness oh, yeah. and you're all training towards a, a common goal. So how do you get an average Joe like me who's a bit of a nine-to-fiver uh, but all of a sudden is doing a boot camp. How do you get me up and, and sort of started in, on terms of a physical fit journey and getting fit and sticking to a health plan? Because it's not easy to change someone's habits overnight. Yeah. Yeah. So what tips do you have um, to get to people... To get you there or to get you to... A bit of both, but to get started in, at, at, you know, to begin with, you know. Well, you mentioned corporate boot camps, and that's usually just one person in the office is super keen. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that when I was saying that, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and then they convince everybody else to come along yes. with them. Yes, yeah. Um, so, and that, that generally, that's effective because having that peer pressure, um, that group, group dynamic, that will turn into a, a bit of an interest in fitness. Like I've got one guy um, that's been doing my boot camp for a couple of years, but they their group only does one hour of training once a week and that's it and that's all they do. Um, do you reckon that's their total fitness for the week? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. And, you know, initially I, I used to try and tell them all the time, you know, you need more, you need more, you can't just do this, this isn't enough. Um, you know, they find you 30, 30 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes a day, but over a week you need at least 150 to 300 minutes to, to stay out of the sort of disease disease danger zones. And, um, yeah, so getting these, especially sedentary jobs where they're sitting in an office um, for 8 to 10 hours a day, an hour is not enough. And it, it's, it even can be problematic uh, as far as causing injuries and stuff because they're doing too much in that hour and not doing anything else at any other time. Anyway, so... Yeah, I've got one guy that um, that yeah was just coming just coming to that continuously, and then yeah, two years later he's finally uh, finally joined the gym, and now he's going you know, four days a week, which is a huge win. So 
makes me happy. <laughs> when, it took a while, right? Yeah, it took like, a while. It did take a while, yeah. But it, <laughs> it sort of like, you know, grew and developed a bit of a love for fitness more. It wasn't so much of a chore. It's like, oh, actually, you know, this is, this is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so some are quicker and some are longer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes some people a long time. And some people, you know, do one or two sessions and then they're like, oh, what else can I do? This is great. Okay, good. So you get that, that flair and people straight away, right? You can yeah. spark it straight away. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I imagine if you're only doing an hour a week, each time you see that group or person or individual, uh, not a lot would have changed, I guess. Do no, you see progress off that? There is progress. Um, it's actually really surprising because you wouldn't imagine there, there would be. But for someone that does nothing and then they start coming to one hour a week, eventually they're going to get stronger and they're going to get fitter. Um, but, yeah, it would be much faster if they if they did more um and then i think like when they start to feel better and stronger then that's when they start to think um oh you know this is starting to feel good what else can i do and uh it doesn't feel like so much of a chore as like a little bit of excitement of of their new capabilities i guess a lot of the time it's just changing a habit isn't it and habits aren't easy to change but well yeah you mentioned before uh, a lot of people are time poor but you know there's there's times when you know your your routine might be to go home to have dinner to sit on the couch um scroll through your phone for half an hour and then go have a shower whatever it might be so your time poor is more of a habit than it is a reality if you change that 30 minutes to doing you know 30 minutes of squats and push-ups then then you're gonna that's your you know your your time resolved and you're going to get fitter and stronger i know for me personally i found that if I wanted to get fitter, healthier, stronger, uh, and more active that mornings was my time. So previously I always used having young kids and a, a busy job as an excuse because you get home and then you, you know, you've got to put them to bed or you just follow up on some emails and you're tired and time yeah. gets away from you. But I remember, um, Last year, I made a conscious change to start getting up at 5 or 5.30 yeah. and then going to the gym and doing some active stuff. You know, for a long period of time there, that was a big change. And it was hard because I, I never wanted to get up at 5 or 5.30 <laughs> unless the kids got me up. But um, it, it changed my whole life at the time because I enjoyed getting fitter. I had no excuses. I, I made sure I didn't check any emails when I was up. And um, I just thought, well, if I don't do it now, you know, I'm hardly ever going to do it. But it's it's not easy to make that. But once you make that decision, yeah. you'd be surprised uh, how easy it is to stick to a, a new plan once you get used to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. My wife does the same thing. She gets up at, at 5 a.m. every morning and she's um, she's finished by the time our daughter wakes up. But then the the question is, how long can you keep that going for? And I guess that comes down to I, – I, I found myself getting bored in the gym oh, we yeah. didn't have enough variety of of exercises or was sticking to one thing and didn't know enough to, to change but um yeah how do you keep it interesting for the people you do boot camps for how do you sort of keep them wanting to come back and and change it all up change it up every time for them um one of my just not even a philosophy it's just sort of an accidental thing that because my own training i like to for that you know i don't want to be get stagnant or bored so i always change what i do like if i do upper body training today and then i do it again um next monday it'll be completely different but i'll still work my full upper body like i I very rarely do the same workout twice unless it's something that i really love 
and um, I want to see where I'm at on that same sort of scale. Um, and I, I keep it the same with my boot camps. So, uh, um, you know, maybe they do like to do the same thing. Maybe they don't. But um, because I don't like to, I never, I very, very rarely have ever done the same boot camp workout twice. There's been people that have trained with me for the last five or six years every week. And you could ask them and they'll tell you they've never done the same workout twice. It's always different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably why they keep coming back. Yeah. 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 Because, um, yeah, a lot of the time, you know, they go to a to a gym. I won't mention any names, but there's plenty of gyms that, that offer classes. And if you go to um, if you go to the, the same gym continuously, you're going to do the same class quite regularly. So, um, yeah, I offer variation because I like it and it seems to work like you know most gyms have a b- about an 18 month turnaround with clients and yeah I've, I've I only I just train a small group because I do it with them and we um we go to the Spartan races together and stuff but um that group has been with me for almost like six seven years now yeah that's, that's really long actually for your industry where yeah. they generally turn around quite quickly or they get bored or yeah uh they're not seeing results so they quit i guess you see yeah. that quite a quite often yeah especially yeah. gyms yeah definitely um yeah to keep a group for that long is really really good thing yeah all right so you mentioned spartan races which is a good segue because i want to talk about some of these um crazy things that you've done so let's talk about the ultra beast 42 kilometer obstacle course Actually, you said before you've done a 54K, was it? Yeah. Same same thing? Yeah. Okay. So tell us what's involved <laughs> in that first, and then I want to ask you um, a bit about preparing and, and sort of actually doing it, how you feel. So what, okay. what's involved in that 54-kilometer Ultra Beast race? Um, so what it is is um, Spartan Race is, is an obstacle course race. Um, so each obstacle – uh, differing from other obstacle course races like Tough Mudder, Tough Mudder is a community sort of thing where you go with friends and you sort of need your friends to get through obstacles. Yep. If you don't want to do an obstacle, you just continue on your way. You don't have to worry about it. I didn't know that. Um, so it's more of a like a fun social sort of event to get people out and about and, you know, it's good. It promotes it promotes um, an active lifestyle and, yeah. and you sort of need to train for it because you know it's going to be 21K so it gets people off the couch and moving and, and outdoors and and it's it's great but spartan race is is different it's um i say it's not fun (laughs) there's nothing fun about a spartan race if you you want to have fun go and do a uh, a warrior dash or a or a tough mutter right (laughs) um but yeah it's a challenge uh if you if you fail an obstacle you have to do 30 burpees um so it's quite common especially for new people to do three or four hundred burpees throughout a race um if you're strong and you're well prepared then you might only have to do 30 or 60 if you fail one or two obstacles there's a couple that are called the burpee makers where you really have a good chance of failing it like a <laughs> you gotta fail a spear throw is a, <laughs> All right. it's probably like a, a 70 30 sort of split 70 percent of people will miss and have to do burpees All right. but um yeah so sort of every it varies like you might have to run two or three k's and then you'll do an obstacle or two or three obstacles in a row and then run another k and um and then one obstacle might be a, a 2k hike with a 20 kilo sandbag or, right um and then so that sort of counts as part of the k's and and then there's swimming through rivers and um 
um, crawling through mud and climbing over walls. And so spine races, it's an individual race. Like you can go with your friends and help each other out, but it's designed so that you don't have to, you can do it all yourself with absolutely no support from anyone else. So it's a, a huge physical and mental challenge, especially when you do those big ones, the 42 or the 54, when you, you'll find stretches of forest where you're alone for five or six Ks, you know, right. 30, 30, 40 minutes by yourself. And yeah, you, your mind is just begging you to give up. <laughs> but, uh, I can imagine. But yeah. How do you get through that though? Um, How do you push through those situations? Because they're not, they're not fun at all. No, no, yeah, definitely not fun. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it's just, just bite down on your mouth guard, as they say, and, and just push through. It's, it's, I have a, a mentality that once I start something, then, you know, that's it. I have to finish it. Right. If so I, you're not, not a quitter, obviously. Yeah. You, yeah. If I, if I do a workout and I write a workout and I'm like, this, this is horrible. I wish I didn't write this, but, you know, I've started it now, so, <laughs> so I've got to finish it. Um, and, yeah, my boot campers will tell you that, um, you know, no matter how much they hate a workout or they're struggling, they, they know that they're, they're there for the to, You to make the a conscious decision that once, once you started, you cross that white line, that's it. Yeah. You're not leaving until unless it's, you know, in a body bag or something. You're finishing yeah. that yeah, event, even, that even workout, that session. Yeah. Even if I'm crawling over the finish line. So and, and I very much was after that first 42Ks. Right. I was super underprepared. I had no idea what a 42-kilometer anything felt like. I'd never run that far before. So did you feel like you'd done an appropriate amount of training to pass and then yeah. get through it? I was fit. I was very fit. Yep. Um, I was doing the 7K and the 15-kilometer ones regularly, and they were easy. I used to sprint those. Right. Um, and then – um, the burpee mile, like that was only an hour and a half and, you know. You had more felt, to give? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could have. <laughs> could have probably gone for the, finished it off, rounded it off at 2Ks. Two miles. <laughs> it would have slowed it down a bit. Um, but yeah, the running, I, 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 had, I didn't have a running coach or I had no sort of experience with long distance running. I just thought because I was fit, my body would, would do it, would yeah. get me through. Um, and I've done, you know, my, my big workouts – no matter how grueling they were, they were sort of only um, 90 minutes. So that burpee mile within an hour and a half, like that was one of the harder things. But the same, same with any of my workouts, if I'm hiking around hills for, with, with sandbags and stuff, it's usually only 90 minutes. So I thought that was enough and I was severely mistaken. It was savage. And there was a huge misunderstanding <laughs> with shoes the day before. So I was wearing brand new shoes. And, that, and that's, you don't do that in those big races? Is no. It blisters? No, or? no, no. Yeah, blisters. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I wore brand new shoes that were too rigid for the race. And uh, within the first 10Ks, <coughs> sorry, I, um, I got blisters on my feet so bad that the guy running behind me told me I had blood coming out of the back of my shoes. Oh, no. And this is in the first 10Ks of so a 42-kilometer race. Yeah. So I just um, I just grinned and bared for the next um, for the next eleven, because at the twenty one k mark you go through a, a checkpoint, um, the halfway mark you get like a a refresher station sort of thing. Yeah. So I uh, sat down and and taped and bandaged my feet, um, 
and and rewrapped and wrapped them and then put the socks and shoes back on and, and kept going um but yeah sort of beyond that 21 i was i was toast not only with my feet i was in agony but my muscles had nothing left to give i was right. i was cramping and i was my joints were aching and did it cross your mind that you might have to give up no no so <laughs> so uh, this, this is interesting because this is sort of what i wanted to touch on today in in terms of your mindset is no matter what like you basically have to be missing your legs yeah. to not cross that line so you you when you start out you make a decision that nothing's going to stop me yeah 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 that's pretty much it like no matter even though your legs are, your feet are bleeding and your muscles are basically gone and yeah yeah well i knew it was going to be hard but yeah the once the pain and and everything kicked in i kind of told myself like you've come this far you know same with fighting like after the first fight i came back for more fights but you've come this far you can't you can't quit now like having walking off not not finishing or not having a reward for all of this work and not having a reward for this pain that you've been in for the last four hours even true like what's another four hours of pain compared to the the mental anguish i guess of of walking away from it yeah so for you it's sort of like not an embarrassment but the sh- a shame of not finishing almost the shame yeah. of not going back and doing another fight and finishing a winner you you, you feel like you owe it to yourself to to get something out of this after yeah, you. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I put so much in that I need to get something out. Yeah, I need to pull something out. So of my it. my question to you is can you teach that to other people because not everyone can do these no. races. No, definitely not. But you, got, you do teach people how to complete these in yeah. some form. Yeah. Yeah. So oh maybe I I did take a guy on the 54 with me and leading up to the race he wa- he wanted it. He didn't know how to get it that how to like finish the race how to yeah. how to train for it or how to do it but he wanted it um so i took him on a journey <laughs> i took him on a journey um of mental strength and pushed his body to places he didn't know were possible and he definitely wouldn't have done by himself and he got there and he felt good he got he got he got through the race and and i'm sure it's something he'll never forget wow so he you got him f- through a 54 kilometer obstacle race yeah wow definitely and he's never done anything like that before though that was his first spartan race yeah yeah so so how much do you think of the training is physical versus mental or is it you got to have both otherwise you'd... <laughs> you got to have both yeah. like what i did to him he there's no way he couldn't he could have done it if he didn't have that mental strength to want yeah. it because like even just one day when he was completely unprepared i made him do a 30 kilometer run really and it it nearly broke him um he you know by the last the last two k's he was sort of hobbled hobbled home and he was you know swearing and <laughs> and um struggling but um Hate and yeah any any anybody that didn't have the mental strength that he did would have walked away after that yeah it's but, easy to quit and tap out of that at that yeah. point it's easier to quit really. yeah 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 100 yeah. and but i did it with him and he's he was just so thankful that i was by his side and he's like that's that's great coaching to to put yourself through it with me so um and then i just told him you know this is you've just crossed a massive barrier of doing something that you didn't want to do 
that at 20 k's you thought there was no way and if you didn't have to get back to the car you probably wouldn't have yeah yeah would have tapped out yeah interesting but i, I forced you to do it because there was no way home <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah. back to your first 42 kilometer obstacle ultra beast race yeah uh you've you've finished uh congratulations but you've had an awful experience in terms of feet are bleeding at I, um, 10 kilometers i crossed the finish line and collapsed into a ball of tears did you really yeah yeah did you have people around you at that point or was it um my wife was there she picked me up and um took several hours longer than i thought it was because i was super optimistic so she was waiting around for hours and then she saw me uh, stumbling in down the down the finish arena and and then i saw her and i crossed the line and because i'd been in so much pain and so much struggle and for for so many hours yeah I just I completely broke down. Is that the most emotional you've been in any event or sport, like sports-related? Yeah. 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 yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a bit of jubilation, a bit of like just, well, you've been through such a, a torrid time that yeah. <laughs> it's all released. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. I felt like I was holding on so – I was just holding on so tight to, to get over the finish line that just to do it and then I could just sort of release all of that – that i don't know the, the tension and everything that i was holding in of wanting to cry for the for however many hours before it so anyone who's been through that experience uh which i mean yeah it doesn't sound fun in any way shape or form how did you decide then that you wanted to do this race again the the same race that's put you through so much pain and anxiety and and yeah um it wasn't it wasn't an immediate decision (laughs) (laughs) i definitely thought i was done with that um but a couple of weeks later i i looked at it and said i want to do it again and i want to do it well i want to cross the line and i want to feel good about crossing the line so you you weren't just content with finishing you wanted to set a time and potentially obviously beat what you'd done previously but you felt you didn't complete it in the way you wanted it completed yeah yeah okay. yeah i felt now i know i can do it so i want to do it well and so, how long were they apart those races two years two years apart they're okay. all they're every every two years in brisbane yeah. right okay so and how'd you go the second time um second time i felt good yeah um it was an hour i dropped a, a knocked a nine Eight fifty nine. So the first one was nine twenty seven, nine hours and twenty seven minutes. Yeah. Um, the second one was eight fifty nine, but it was a lot harder because they always make it more difficult. Um, and then the third one, they made it harder by adding twelve k's to it. I mean that that sounds. Some people couldn't even do the twelve k's, me included. But to add that to the end of a forty two k race seems like torture. Yeah. And yeah. you did that. So you've done three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so after the first one, I wanted to beat my time. And then after the second one, I kind of wanted I – wasn't, I wasn't even going to do it, to be honest. But then that guy I told you about, he said he wanted to do it. Well, can't let you do it by yourself. <laughs> I'll do it with you. Do you find um, people get motivated if they're in a race <clears throat> with someone they know or they're competing against someone – in some way, shape, or form, does, does that sort of spur people yeah. on a bit as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Every 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 um, boot camp session I have, I um, I see that. Okay. Uh, especially if it's things like um, sprints or or um, or things where they they kind of 
have to be side by side doing something, they yeah, there's definitely a, a bit of a competition. Right. You see somebody next year. Yeah. And uh, is, are there any more coming up? Are you going to do another one? Uh, so that was last year. So this year will be the no race year. year. So next year would be if um, if they bring it back to Brisbane, it'll be next year. So you think seriously considering it? Yeah, well, so the 42 and the 42. So the first one I nearly died. The second one um, was a lot easier, but I still I still wasn't that fit. The third one, the 54, I trained like I've never trained before in my life. And right. I really put a lot of research and effort. And I was, I'm at uni last year. I was third year of uni, so I was really sort of competent at research and exercise prescription. So I did a lot of research on how to become an efficient runner, um, how to do long distances, nutrition during the race, hydration, um, covered all the bases. And that 54, I felt great. Really? I actually went into the race thinking oh, I'm not going to be able to finish this. Like I struggled to finish the 42s. Yeah. Add in another 12Ks is ridiculous. And I did the other two in nine hours and they put a 10-hour cap on the 54. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to add 12Ks within an another hour. hour. But the, 40, the 54, the first 42Ks I got done within seven hours. So I knocked two hours off my old time because I was so super prepared and then, yeah, the rest of the race, like, it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination, no. but but I felt good. You did more preparation in terms of the theory, the research, the yeah. the diet, the um, nutrition. So Yeah, and, and because that, I knew it was going to be 12Ks longer, I put way more training in. Okay. Because I didn't think I was going to be able to finish. I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to give myself the best chance possible. But I still thought I didn't. I still thought I wasn't going to finish. And did you feel any anxiety in the in the build up in terms of oh, and like you said before, self sabotage. There's there's just no chance, you know. I've I know I've done it twice, but this is this one's out of my league. Yeah. Ten hour cap. Yeah. That sounds like very cruel to be honest. Ten hour cap. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you try and just sort of? Did you almost talk yourself out of it, or was it just? Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I was like, you know, what's what's the point um, of starting and not finishing, and and um, you know, there's no way, like, if I did a good effort last time and I only got it down to 8.59, then how, how is it possible to get another 12Ks in an hour? Like, I can't run that fast on a good day. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I, thought, I thought it was really um, sort of pointless. But I kind of, I kind of pushed forward because I thought I know that, I, that I'm strong enough to, to give it my all and I'm sure that of the hundred hundred or so people doing it, I will be the most resilient, like one of the most resilient. Like, so even if I do fail, I'll feel good about the fact that I beat fifty other people. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, I and it's a hundred pretty fit people to even start it right. I mean, yeah. you have to have a pretty good baseline of fitness anyway. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people um, started and failed because I had a five-hour. No, it was six. No, wait. So it was a four-hour, four and a half-hour cutoff to the half point, halfway point. Oh, okay. So there's a and if you didn't make that four and a half-hour cutoff, you got you weren't allowed to do the second half. I see. So a lot of people got cut there. Yeah. Um, makes sense because you're just doing it for nothing then obviously yeah yeah so they gave you five and a half hours to then get to do the second lap right yeah, yeah. so um 
yeah, there was a lot of people that failed there and um, and the, the full race. Well, that's that's an amazing achievement. I mean, just, just to go through it once and have such an awful experience, <laughs> come back and do it again and then they up the ante and you you decide to do it and then train someone with you. Um, yeah. yeah, congratulations. That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> and I, I sort of get the sense that you haven't written off doing it again either. So. No, well, though, yeah, so I've done the three and I've always trained people to do, to do it. I've always trained groups to do it. If I do a fourth, it'll be me. Just you. I'll do it myself. I'll train myself and I'll do my best time. Because I felt, because I was with my mate, there was, there was a lot of times I was, I was, come on, man, come Holding on. Back we a can go bit. faster than this. Come on. Yeah. So there was a lot of times I was waiting and, and I felt um, I could have gone harder. So I just want to do one more and, <laughs> and give, it, give it my all. <laughs> train like I trained for the last one and just go 100%. Well, before we finish up today, I want to ask you, what, what advice would you give to people? Because for you to do that with your level of fitness, obviously that's really extreme and, and that's a huge achievement. But for some people who never do anything, getting out and doing 5Ks around the park is pretty much the same thing to them. Like They just could not fathom it in their wildest yeah. dreams. So no matter what level you're at, what advice would you give to someone who, who, who needs to get started maybe has some anxiety or fear of failure or not being able to push through and, and yeah, how would you just tell them to get off that couch and, and get out there and start pursuing something you really want to get completed? Yeah, good question. Um, I would say that the biggest problem with getting started in today's society is social media and the huge expectations that people put on themselves. So... My advice would be just to start slow, start within your own thresholds and your own capabilities and work your way up. Um, don't feel that because somebody can do something that you should be able to do it too because somebody can go and do whatever, do a full 45-minute F45 class that you should be able to go and do that too. Like Maybe um, maybe you're suited better to something else like just because um, you know Harley can run 30Ks doesn't mean everybody should be able to run. Maybe your joints and your bones and your body just doesn't like running. You know, Jump on a bike and go for a ride instead. And so don't put pressure on yourself because of what other people can do would be, would be one, um, one thing of advice. And the second one would be to just um, don't be pressured into doing something you don't want to do. Find something that you enjoy. Um, and do that. If you enjoy riding, go for a ride. If you enjoy, um, you know, choking people, go do jujitsu. If you if you enjoy boxing, hitting things, go go join a boxing gym. Don't don't feel like um, you know you have to go and you know you see rock the rock going and, and pumping weights at the gym that yeah. you have to go and pump weights at the gym. Um, Everyone's different. Yeah, some people don't like to be in a gym. Some people you know don't like to be running. That you know it's fair enough. Yep. Don't, don't do what you don't want to do and find something you enjoy and go do that. Right. And just find, find a good coach, find, find a physiologist or an experienced coach. If you, if you have absolutely no idea and you want a bit of guidance, just get a program written um, and, uh, and, yeah, start from there. Excellent. Well, that's great advice and I hope anyone listening just sort of takes, uh, takes notice of that and, and maybe uses it as a bit, 
some inspiration to go out there and get started. Uh, I'll put all your contact details in the show notes, Harley, but for anyone in Brisbane who might be looking for some training, some corporate um, boot camps for their business, where, how do, what's the best way for people to find you? Um, yeah, so I run a business called Healthy Fox Fitness. Uh, I train um, all of my Spartan groups at the Suncorp Stadium. Um, out and around the stadiums so on the grass area and around the concrete and stairs and all the hills around Paddington. So you can find me um, on Healthy Fox Fitness, uh, so healthyfox.com.au. Um, and then the corporate groups, yeah, so basically you just find a bunch of friends or, or workmates and, um, and you all chip in and, and decide on a, on a day and a time and I can come to you. So I train people at their offices, uh, sort of in the car park or in a local park um, or – at the stadium, one group comes to the stadium and does it there. Um, well, yeah, or you can just get in, get in touch. Uh, email me Harley at healthyfox.com.au, and uh, and I can um, we can have a chat about some one-on-one training or, or personal coaching, or I can write your program as well. And just be warned: once you start, you are going to finish that training. So uh, <laughs> you, you, no quit is allowed. So, which is, I think, I'll help. I'll help you. Uh, I'll help you stay. Much needed, I think. Get so on. thanks for coming on, Harley. That's uh, an amazing story, and I think a lot of people listening will will take a bit of inspiration, hopefully motivation, out of that. And I uh, appreciate you coming by. All right, no worries. Thanks for having me. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.